Welcome to the Offseason Podcast. My name's Sean, I'm here with my co-hosts, Petty and Dre, and we've created a show that straddles the line between the creative and health and wellness communities to spotlight the similar conversations we saw happening in both circles. It's a platform for storytelling, exploration, and learning for anyone who wants to grow, reflect, and take advantage of the off-season. In the final episode of season one, we tie together all the themes we've talked about in previous episodes as we explore self-sabotage. We're all guilty of it, and a lot of the time we don't even know we're doing it. So why is it so easy to get in our own way? We talk about the things we each do to self-sabotage and how we're working to get better at it. Let's get to work. How are we feeling today? Good. Calm. Same. I feel very calm. Yeah, I do too, actually, which is rare for the three of us. I was just about to say, (laughs) this is the first time I think we've all answered calm. Calm. Yeah, which is, which is really, really good. Um, it's, it's interesting from my perspective because usually like Petty's always coming in hot. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of people comment when Dre is starts the podcast like i'm calm like she's she's so zen all the time yes i'm like absolutely not (laughs) i've heard the same thing everyone's like dre's so grounded i was like yeah oh really yeah perceived groundedness you you ground sean and i in this right in this i mean i think there's uh, there's elements of us each grounding each other Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think that's that's where the dynamic works so Mm -hmm. um for that guest this last episode of season one we're gonna get into a very i think deep but kind of diverse topic, self-sabotage. Um, I know we talked previously about how we felt it was relevant to all of us, but also that it ties a lot of the things together um, that we've covered in this first season. So um, I guess to kick it off, like I know Dre, you had been talking about it. You brought the, the subject up for us. So I'm curious Perfect. like... <laughs> why that is why that is yeah (laughs) yeah it's very it's a very timely discussion um had some things happen in my life that i think just made me look at things a little bit differently um external and internal and i've also was like reading a book called the mountain is you by brianna west west something like that but she's also the author of like 101 essays that will change the way you think or something which is a very popular book and it's funny I was having a really hard time getting into it and then I came back from New York I had COVID last week and I dove back into it and I was just like couldn't stop reading it because I was just like so relevant so relevant let me just like highlight and mark this whole thing up um and so I guess that's kind of why it's been timely for me is just like the timing of life the timing of like diving into this book and so I guess that's kind of why I wanted to bring it here okay and what kind of things were you reading there not getting into specifics but like that were relevant because I know we as between the three of us were kind of talking about the different ways that we can self-sabotage and um, I'm sure we're gonna get into all of them but specific to you like what was standing out to you in that book Um, I think one thing that stood out um, is this idea of like self-sabotage being like conscious and unconscious Mm. Um, and that I think very similarly to like triggers and a lot of things like self-sabotage can almost happen on a very like surface level and then it can also happen on a very very deep level as well Um, and I think that changes depending on maybe where you're doing it in your life. Okay. I like that. I like the conscious versus unconscious because I think we're all guilty 
especially of the unconscious. I think like mm-hmm. conscious is very mm-hmm. specific things for mm-hmm. a lot of people, but I can definitely relate to the unconscious thing. So I'm curious about you, Petty. Oh yeah, definitely. Though no, that, that's the unconscious things. It's always a, why am I doing this? And mm-hmm. then to really get to the root of that, you don't always understand. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. what am I doing? Like, what is mm-hmm. this behavior? It's like answering why and I go, that's my experience with it is just me being that curious person I am, always asking why. And then when I go to the back to the root cause, I'm like, I actually don't know. Mm-hmm. And then to really dive into that is what gets into the unconscious portion. You're like, oh, this mm-hmm. may have happened. That is why this is why I do X action to cope with that in the mm-hmm. past. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's I think it's just really getting to the root of that, which obviously therapy has uh, has helped with. Just like really see those behaviors or things that you may not have realized are just ingrained over time yeah Mm -hmm. and and something interesting that you said when you were you were talking about how like why am i doing this i also think there's an element of i don't like how this feels but not the why piece it's like i i feel something and it's bothering me and i don't like how this feels and then it's only when you start exploring that feeling you start to understand like the why behind it Mm -hmm. and i think that that's something for me specifically someone who's been guilty of repeating the same behavior over and over again expecting different results um it it's something that i struggle with on a personal level across all aspects of my life Mm -hmm. well i think that's where like the last episode of like triggers comes in is because the trigger or the emotion is the one that's being like hey hey Mm -hmm. hey look at this hey um and to your point like trying to figure out like what is the root cause and I think sometimes you think you know what the root cause is but it's not really the actual root and so I think sometimes when you're looking at it it can be a little like misleading or there's like other thing that things that are getting in the way of you like truly understanding what the root is and for me based on like reading and therapy and like just like looking at it a lot of it comes down to limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. which I feel like ties into the unconscious piece of self-sabotage so much because when you think about limiting beliefs, we did not put those on ourselves. Like they Mm -hmm. come from childhood. It is influenced from friends, family, society at large, whatever it is, that gets put on you and then you don't even know it Mm -hmm. a lot of the time when you're younger and then you choose people, places, things, experiences that continue to validate that limiting belief until you see the pattern. Mm-hmm. I think I think what you said about experiences, because mm-hmm. I think as children growing up, you don't have any, you're a blank slate, Yeah. right? You can do everything and anything. And I think something that actually came up this week, we were chatting about the Olympics and skateboarding and how that's something that people would do. Actually, it came up from the CN Tower doing Edgewalk <laughs> because it's like, doing something like that is like challenging your boundaries Mm -hmm. right and heights to me is a very normal human like fear because that's like a perceived death Mm. right but other things are things that other things come up that we're like oh this is how why am i scared of x like why am i scared of dogs Mm -hmm. you look back and you're like oh i had a traumatic experience with a dog Mm -hmm. early on childhood and this is now why i react this way to things right but if we go back to like skateboarders Skateboarders win the Olympics because the young, like the 16-year-old people who win gold, 
they're not scared of anything. Mm-hmm. Whereas like you take the older 30 year olds or people who have a bit more life experience and a lot more to lose in a sense, mm-hmm. they're just a little bit more risk averse. And I think that's something that naturally happens over time is you become more risk averse because you mm-hmm. think about everything else and you just don't, mm-hmm. you're not necessarily present. You're just not, there's nothing to be scared of. At that, yeah. Right? yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually like, I think it's, it's so much more than, than just that skateboarding example. When I think about professional athletes, sports, Dre's favorite subject. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting to me because you see a lot of times these young athletes who get success very early on, maybe they win the championship, maybe they win an MVP. And then as they get older, it becomes much more difficult to repeat. And that idea of self-sabotage is like the pressure around them of people telling them that they should be here, but they're actually only here. And that that first championship was luck or whatever. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, then they're not showing up in the playoffs. They're not showing up when it matters, blah, blah, blah. And then it it starts to compound on them over time. And so you, you see that that story constantly played out in sport. I, th- I think that what you mentioned there about it compounding over time is very important because mm-hmm. it's whether it's the negative beliefs and the mm-hmm. negative reinforcement that you get from the self-limiting beliefs, it's like, oh, that compounds. Mm-hmm. But also on the opposite side is like the self-efficacy of like, oh, I can do this or I've done this. That also compounds because mm-hmm. you get those positive, you get that positive reinforcement and it's like, oh, that's why you can keep doing on the opposite end, keep doing mm-hmm. what you're doing and continue to win championships or on that line of growth yeah, yeah. well oh, go sorry go ahead Dre. well i was just gonna say like like it compounding it almost compounds to a point where you have some sort of like breaking point that I, I think a lot of people end up having that then puts that change in motion i feel like lots of people like do that with like their health and stuff that they mm-hmm. like don't take care of themselves until they're like in the hospital or they come down with something and then they're like oh I should probably start making changes in my life Mm -hmm. and then they are consciously making decisions that are the opposite of what they would have been making and I think it's so interesting to look at that because it's like when you have like uh, you're at a crossroads and it's like oh I always go right and I always go right because right feels familiar but like left seems so scary but like one day you're just like you know what there's something that's telling me to go right but I'm, I think I'm going to go left mm-hmm. and then you go left and then you're met with all these feelings of like, oh my God, I feel so guilty. Like, what are you doing? You're supposed to go right. Mm-hmm. And then you just keep choosing left and choosing differently until the unfamiliar isn't so scary anymore and it actually becomes familiar to you. Yeah. And it you, you touched on something there too that like I, I have family members who who have lived unhealthy lives and it's only when they got to that point of Mm -hmm. I can't do this anymore they want to change everything but it's too late like 60 years of treating your body one way is not Mm -hmm. going to be overturned in you know a year plus the damage that's been done over that time doesn't just change overnight and sometimes can't be changed and Mm -hmm. I know I'm talking about health specifically but when we're talking about emotional things or traumas attached to our childhoods like those things are a bit you know, more, we're more capable of changing those things over time, but mm-hmm. they do take a lot of time mm-hmm. and it's certainly not linear. I want to actually challenge something you said with that okay. about like how it can't change because that also I think is a bit of a limiting, um, like thought in a sense is mm-hmm. yes, yeah, six years of time has compounded and that has affected health, but you can make small changes that make you better. 
So it's not, sure. it's not like optimal. Like you're not this complete machine of, you know, perfect health, but you can be better than the, I don't want to say the valley that you're in, but where you are. So it's the matter of changing the mindset of them not doing anything to now what can we do to actually be mm-hmm. more fulfilled and then work towards the left path a bit more. Right? Sure, absolutely. But what I guess what I'm getting at in that particular scenario is let's say you are an alcoholic for the majority of your adult life and you've damaged parts of your mm-hmm. body that you can't reverse. That's kind of the type of thing that I'm referring yeah. to. Like you can make the decision and say, I'm going to change things. I'm, I'm going to make a difference in, in how I live my life. And that might extend your life a little bit, but there's certain things that you just can't change. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like right. I, yeah, we weren't, we're not going to say there's no consequence, like you still have to live with <laughs> yeah. the consequences of the 60 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. But that being said, you can also still make, like take action in that time. Like even if you're 60, it doesn't mean you can't, make more positive changes and steps towards living a bit more fulfilled and better life in a sense, right? And it's just what that looks like, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that's something that we don't realize is just because you're 60, there is a lot that you have to go through. But like 60 years of alcoholism is, is a long time. Mm-hmm. But that being said, you can still make a conscious effort to, I don't want to say reverse, but to take positive action. And yeah. I think that's something that we don't, think about because that itself is a hole that we dig yourself into you're like oh i've done this for so many years and i'm sure this parts of the this is part of the self-sabotage is like i've done this for so many years i've i'm in this spot because of x amount of time i don't know how to get out and i think that's like part of the switch that you have to shift is like oh actually it's not that much further it's just small steps that we can control that are little victories and little wins that actually Mm -hmm. can help us off that path right and it's like the belief in that that's why it's like self-talk it's Mm -hmm. the belief it's the belief that they can't change Mm -hmm. that they're not not capable of changing exactly and so because they believe that they continue to self-sabotage by doing what they've always been doing exactly and so it's not until you you know try something different and then yeah you're met with like praise or you instantly feel better and you're like oh this is Mm-hmm. okay like maybe I can do this mm-hmm. and then you continue to do it and you can continue to do it yes. and then you continue to do it and then you've made that yes. change because it's like at the the core of it yes because you can do it yes and I think that's I, what what you're alluding to Sean is like there's resistance with that right like there's mm-hmm. more resistance the deeper in you are mm-hmm. but I think yeah. that is a big part of it is the more resistance you have the more you really need to focus on like the micro changes and just the small things that you can do and then have a good environment around mm-hmm. you that continues to support it because the mm-hmm. deeper you are the more resistance there's going to be and that's mm-hmm. going to keep you in the hole and the yeah. more resistance there is the more you need to dive into that damn hole exactly <laughs> right yeah and, and and as we're talking about this stuff specifically like all that keeps coming up for me is our conversation around habits right we're yes. talking about changing the mindset but it's not it doesn't happen overnight and it's all these little small wins that like Dre's talking about compound over time of like I'm going left I'm going left again. I'm going mm-hmm. left one more time. And then all of a sudden going left feels as natural as going right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. Because that mm-hmm. way it t- takes less. Um, I always look at it as like energy expenditure. Because when you make it a habit, it takes less energy to do, right? It's just mm-hmm. automatic. And mm-hmm. that's the... You, you're you're moving, building that. Yeah, you're moving yeah. the positive habit into like your unconscious mind so that it actually doesn't take energy, right? And yeah. that's like mm-hmm. really what I look at. I go, if you can do that and move uncon- or positive habits into unconscious territory, then it's like... It's just you mm-hmm. save all the energy that you have for the tough decisions when there is resistance, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And the more we can do that, the better. 
Yeah. But it's just mm-hmm. the time and energy it takes to move things to that and make them like so unconscious habits. That's the well, difficulty. and it's difficult to do multiple things at once, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you you're you're not going to take five different things that you're noticing are a struggle for you and flip them overnight. It's mm-hmm. kind of like let's start with this one because maybe it's the easiest one to you or you feel like you can change it the easiest. Yeah. Or maybe you're starting with the most difficult one, but either way, like you can't, you're not going to be able to balance all five because then that's where you're going to crash and fall. It's mm-hmm. cool because you say that's like going back to the 60 years. It's like, yeah, you don't really know where to start and what to do, but it's mm-hmm. like figure out what strategy is best for you to do that. Right. Whether it is some people like the most difficult one, because once they overcome that, everything mm-hmm. else is easy. Mm-hmm. Whereas like mm-hmm. some people need the smallest they one. They need to work them themselves then, up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 100% just, true. just ramp it up. Right. Yeah. And then go, that's how you build slow like slow confidence and self-efficacy over time right and Mm -hmm. i go it's not there's no right approach it's just what fits best for the person Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. yeah i'm with you Mm -hmm. so okay so i know for me food is one way that i self-sabotage like Mm -hmm. i can be sitting at home i can be stressed i could have had a long day and it's like i'm gonna order cookies or something like that and it's not necessarily gonna help me feel better it's probably going to make me feel worse but i'm doing it because i'm stressed or sad or whatever and so i'm curious like what are other other ways that you guys have noticed in your life that you self-sabotage people for me is another one as well i was gonna say people yeah. for sure yeah i'd say both people and food <laughs> you know um, even even for me financially that's something that like mm-hmm. those also yep, tie into because it's yeah yeah people the social aspect and mm-hmm. then also the food yeah. they ain't cheap these days you know? yeah no. totally yeah. inflation's real yeah yeah but that's but those are the, like i know they're all tied in there's like moments where they're all the same and you can choose to say no to all of them but that's also mm-hmm. tough right yeah mm-hmm. i know we were joking before we got on here about signs and, and stuff like that but for me as a people pleaser that's something that i really struggle with is i have a really hard time saying no to people and so that's one way that I self-sabotage constantly because I'm stretching myself, which means lower energy, poor sleep, more stress, all that type of stuff. So um, even though I'm conscious of it, it's really hard to change because it's kind of almost in my nature to just want to help people out and things like that. So it's very top of mind for me, but I, I struggle to kind of bring it into the real world. Mm-hmm. As a people pleaser, what would be the limiting belief attached to that? Ooh, good question. Great question. Because oh, I'm like, I'm like, there's so much to unpack there. Like, we're going there. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's yeah. I was question. like, you're not off the hook. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think I've talked about this in the past, but um, you know, my brother, um, growing up, he had a lot of medical issues, and and I know, me and and my siblings, like we internalized a lot because we didn't want to, you know, burden our parents with more of our problems, which seemed so insignificant to what my brother was going through. And so being able to help them in some capacity, whether it was take my brothers to hockey practice, take my sister to dance, whatever, it was very much like, I'm here to help, I'm here to help. And, and obviously over time that that becomes kind of ingrained into the behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you say it's tied to your self-worth then? Your ability to help other people? Yeah. Yeah. Trey came out swinging today. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready. I, I mean, I think so. I think, um, you know, it also ties into a lot of 
like when I was younger and I was trying to fit in with people, um, one of the things that I would always do is I'll be the driver. I'll offer my car. I'll make sure that like mm. if we if 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 that means I can come, I'll drive. You have something of like value right? to contribute in a sense. Exactly. Yep. And so that's something that I've I've definitely acknowledged that I used to do. It was like I made myself available in that sense because then it meant I get to go. Mm-hmm. Right? And that that could be the difference between being invited and not being invited. So when you're talking about self work mm-hmm. worth, am I worthy of being part of this group? Mm-hmm. Like that would be a perfect example of it. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what happens when you say no? Oh, no, I, I, I said silent just the way I was like, what's the next, what's the yeah. next question? I'm just, I'm on. It's her line of questioning. I'm tonight. on the stand today. It's yeah. all good. Yeah. It's all good. So what, sorry, what did you say? I said, what happens when you say no? Honestly, more often than not, I feel great. Um, but uh, I've, I've actually, I, I was talking to a couple different people about this over the weekend. Like what I've noticed is that now that we're kind of coming out of this pandemic and we've been st- duck doing nothing for a long time it's I've, I've reverted back to not being able to say no mm. because I in my head in my heart want it, those experiences back mm. that I lost mm-hmm. and so you know like Dre and I have a bunch of concerts that we've decided to go to this summer and it's one of those things where it's like yes 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 to everybody who's coming to town because we didn't have that and that was so important to us over you know, all the years prior. And, but now like after this weekend, I have felt behind the eight ball since Sunday. And it's just one of those things that in the moment buying the tickets, there's like that euphoric sense of Mm. like, I can't wait to go. But then all of a sudden it's like Friday, Saturday. And then, you know, Sunday you're like, fuck, I'm wiped. Mm. And so trying to, just being aware of it, I think has been helpful, um, this, this, these past few days, but like even sitting here with you guys, like I'm exhausted and the weekend ended three days ago. It's cool. And like what comes up for me when you, like you describing that is like the example I want to say is like a massage. I work obviously in the physical therapy sector and people come in all the time and they think it's very normal when something's sore or something's hurting, you go in to get that taken care of. Right, so people come in for a massage, your back hurts, they want their back massaged. But that's not actually the root cause of it. It like helps you feel better in the moment. So the concerts, mm-hmm. the going out, all that makes you feel better in the moment, but it's mm-hmm. not necessarily touching on the root cause of what is actually making you feel that way, right? And in the same way that you said food, it's like, oh yeah, like I'm gonna get this snack so I can feel good in this moment. Mm-hmm. And then like you're not actually changing anything. If anything, you might be well, and the crazy thing is, is like, you don't actually necessarily feel good in the moment. Like it might yes. for those first like two, three bites. <laughs> and then you're like six cookies later. Like I didn't, really, <laughs> I didn't really eat all of these. Yeah. And so, you know, I've made a, a decision in certain aspects of my life. Like I don't keep junk food here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got, I've, I, I have them again, but I had gotten rid of the food like delivery apps on my phone mm-hmm. um, as a way to not like kind of fall into that um but yeah i i I was talking with a friend of mine over the weekend and you know she was saying the same thing like i have reverted back to behaviors like that were like 10 years ago me and it's like people don't know what to do or how to Mm -hmm. react or how Mm -hmm. to respond because we lost so much for so long 
see it's funny because i think the like i feel the opposite whereas like i actually like the calmness of how things were during some of the times i'm with you because, i did too yeah but, i definitely did and, and this is like the thing that i feel is like it's the energy that everyone has is that it's exactly what you were saying is like we've lost so much time that we have to go twice as hard to get it back yeah and i'm mm-hmm. like was that not sustainable was it sustainable before it's like no so why aren't we changing what's going on right it's mm-hmm. like oh we're not making up for lost time it's just now you actually have the choice to say like to do some of the things that you really want to do and i think that's what at least helped me during this time was it's it was very easy to say no to almost everything mm-hmm. unless i really wanted to do it yeah right mm-hmm. and now it's like there's so many things to say yes to but it's really getting that using that same framework that i had i just can't use covid as an excuse you know anymore but yeah. it's it's a hey like this is what i'm saying yes to and it's really finding like for me i also have the tendency to it's hard for me to say no to a lot of things and people but when I, what's really working for my system is saying yes to the most important thing that mm-hmm. I can't say no to. And I go, this is the most aligned with me. This is what I'm saying hell yes to. It's not that I don't want to say yes to those I was things. I just about to say that. But this is a hell yes. So it's not yeah. nothing personal to you. It's mm-hmm. just, this is me. And when people see it, it's like, oh, right now it's a lot of stuff in the run space. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, people mm-hmm. are like, yeah, that's pretty you. Like you can't, you can't drink on Friday night if you have to run Sunday morning or Saturday yeah. morning. Totally very easy every everyone understands and it's like oh if i stay out on a friday night a little bit not drinking they're still like oh this is great right but it's that's a hell yes and then that's really been the thing and i'm like yep this is mm-hmm. this is nice for me because then it just keeps me grounded and focused right mm-hmm. if it's not a hell yes it's a no yeah well that's, that's what it, i know right? too yeah. yeah exactly and also i think we've talked about this quite a bit um but the like energy piece and so if i have let's say one opportunity versus another opportunity i'm like what do I get out of that one versus what I get out of the other one? Like, what am I expending and what am I getting in return? And is that worth it? Um, and a lot of the times that's a very easy way to then start to rule out what you truly want to do mm-hmm. and what you don't. The other thing is that when you say no, I, I try not to pay attention to what the like immediate emotion I feel is. I wait until the next day mm-hmm. because you may say no to something and then you're like humming and hawing because you're like, mm, did I make the right choice? Blah, 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 blah. The next morning, if I wake up and it literally doesn't even cross my mind, then that tells me that I was able to trust myself in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so I think the more it's almost like exercising and like, you know, building muscles, like the more that you exercise that muscle of like, can I trust myself to make the right decision for myself? The easier it is to make over and over again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well, I mean, I've, I've always admired how you've been able to kind of really rein in on the, yeah, I'm saying yes to this. I'm saying no to that. Cause it's something that I, I'm not good at, but I've, I've mm-hmm. watched you over the years just kind of get better and better and better and like openly talk about how proud you are about it. And so I think that that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I'm trying to replicate. Mm-hmm. I mean, last weekend's example, though, was like a bit more of a two things just happened to line up like right yeah. after one another. Yeah. Right. And but, and but it still brought this conversation to the surface, which I thought was the interesting thing was because mm-hmm. I still felt tired at the end of it. And so mm-hmm. it's not going to be every weekend that that's the thing. No. But understanding that I don't want that all the time mm-hmm. is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, that's probably like last weekend's a great experience, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. It was worth it. It's worth the energy expenditure. Mm-hmm. But if you did that every weekend, it slowly loses the appeal and like what it, the value is or the return for you. Is. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a chunk of my life where that was my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I literally pulled myself out of it because I got to a point where I was mm-hmm. like, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. 
right so that's where the history part is like important to look at yeah. if you have something to look at and be like hey when i chose the door on the right all these times and it led me down this path well i'm gonna choose the door on the left and see what path that takes me down it's almost like you know they say that like history repeats itself until you learn the lesson mm-hmm. and so you kind of have to look at it and then be like oh yeah, I remember where I came from or I remember what I didn't do or I remember what I did do and how that felt and that kind of helps to inform your decision, I guess, in the future. Mm-hmm. So like your point, like you, you're like, I don't want to go back to any of that. There's a reason why. And so I think that will continue to motivate you to make the right decisions for you mm-hmm. now and in the future. Yeah. I think that's part of it. Like we go into like the psychology pieces of like reinforcement mm-hmm. and like what is super, like positive reinforcement is we prefer that, right? Like that's mm-hmm. a much yeah. nicer way to do it. But the herd of negative reinforcement is so much stronger, yes. like longer lasting, right? That's why they mm-hmm. have the traumatic experiences. Things have longer lasting effects because we just are trying to avoid the negative. Feeling that again. Exactly. Yes. Right. And in that same way, it's like, oh, it's, you need both sides of it at certain times. Mm-hmm. And then when you're ready for, it might be like the avoidance of the negative reinforcement that is like driving you to do something mm-hmm. but that's not healthy the long like long term the whole time right if it's, you're no. just always trying to avoid this yeah then that isn't healthy because you need to switch to get to that positive space and in the same way that not always this positive reinforcement is as effective mm-hmm. right but knowing where and getting that balance i think is always so important because mm-hmm. that is how you that's like the mixture of the two is how you change the habits and change mm-hmm how you choose what door you choose right at the end of the mm-hmm. day because that's like the important piece and i think it goes back to like to me it's always like environment 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 because who you surround yourself with who you yeah. are with like you just saying you admire dre for that like same and same that like i'm glad i get to hear that because hearing it makes me it makes it easier for me to be like no i don't need that <laughs> yeah. you know i'm not gonna choose that and then it's like okay cool that's like something i need to to do right and um, the more we talk about that, it's the balance that I think is so valuable. Like I find that mm-hmm. so valuable in a lot of aspects of my life where it yeah. creates friction and some combative like forces sometimes because it's opposite, right? Like what you, yes. what your natural default is, is an opposite of someone else. Yes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it grounds and balances yes. what your, your like natural like mm-hmm. tendency is, mm-hmm. right? So if someone's natural tendency is to say yes, Dre's saying no we'll kind of balance it out and then you can find somewhere like great on that spectrum that's like right for you yeah that's so funny you say that because a lot of last week i kept talking about this with my therapist where i was like i feel like i have and a lot of people understand this reference the devil on one shoulder (laughs) and the angel on the other that's funny and the devil is saying you know like choose you you got this or go do these things and blah 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 that's more like a like future self but like too far that way future self like it's like opposite mm-hmm. extremes mm-hmm. and then the angels being like no like everything's gonna be okay like just like you know keep the peace everything's great whatever and it's like okay it's neither one or the other it's like somewhere in the middle like what can you take from both sides to then find that like happy medium Mm-hmm. So it's really funny that you were kind of talking about that. And I was like, oh, it reminded me. That's literally all I was thinking about last week. <laughs> we, we, make, we make jokes that Jay and I are both those people when you go out. Oh, really? Right? The devil and the angel? Just as like the figures, but it's like you need both. You need both at some times, right? Because if, you, sure. if you're not like, I don't know how to say this is what I condone, but, you know, sometimes tequila shots <laughs> help. 
Help, All right, yes. Help bring a little bit of extra fun out time, right? Bring some some like core memories. It can. Yeah, yeah. totally. Right? But sometimes water and hydration is also key, important. important right? <laughs> yeah. So it's just the balance of like where that is. Yeah. And it's something that actually I see is like visually, and I've been thinking about this in the past week, like even longer. But a visual I have is everything in life is revolves on a spectrum. Yes. Right. So it's the two ends, and it's just like where the slider on your spectrum lies. Mm-hmm because nothing is really binary we make it we make it binary to simplify it mm-hmm. but it's really within that spectrum of like what you yeah. want to live with live with and live within it's right? almost where that duality comes into play mm-hmm. it depends on like circumstances where you're at emotions behaviors whether or not they line up with those emotions or not like it yeah all comes into mm-hmm. play yeah and, and like the, the going out thing is a good example because like there was a time where i couldn't go out without like going fully out mm-hmm. and now i get teased which i'm completely comfortable with because i'm comfortable with who i am for like being the guy who has a drink or mm-hmm. doesn't drink at all because mm-hmm. i've got other things i'd prefer to do with my next day but it took getting to the bottom to kind of decide like this shit isn't for me anymore and i'm going to kind of go the other way but like you said there are circumstances where sometimes it's like nah you know what like i want to have fun i've got nothing to do tomorrow like let's go have a good time and create those kind of memories. Mm-hmm. But it's, that's a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which I think is important, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's what gives you the power is like you consciously choosing yeah. to go out of your way to do that makes it more valuable to you. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, and even the, from the conscious side of things, like you even think about like the cookie example, like that's a conscious decision. Yeah. I'm, I'm not doing that unconsciously. I'm like, I feel like shit, but I'm going to make myself feel like more shit by eating these cookies mm-hmm. so you know those are like the the types of things where i think i've gotten better at over the years but i mean there's there's always blips along the way mm-hmm. but uh it's the unconscious stuff that's a i mean i think for most people probably the biggest struggle you forgot the sad music oh yeah <laughs> fucking love with, sad with, music with it as you're eating but the cookies honestly, right like, i don't think i don't feel like that self-sabotage for no me. no no but i just think like you i really, do love the reference yeah, yeah. you really like dive into it it's like when you are feeling sad you like really own it it's like oh this is gonna make me feel more sad <laughs> this environment is gonna make me feel really sad just you're gonna exercise all the sadness and it's not wrong right it's, it's like great. it's like you want to feel it so that you mm-hmm. can acknowledge well, so that's it that's why i would say it's yes. not self-sabotage it's conscious. it's conscious yeah yes you're consciously mm-hmm. choosing to feel sad and really like amplify it and mm-hmm. then after you're like because at a certain point you're like all right i'm done i'm done <laughs> being like not you're done being sad but you're just like okay what am I doing next? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a conscious decision to, I don't want to say flip the switch because again, that, I think that goes back into like the binary um, example. It's like turn the dial because it's just about where you're dialing into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love sad music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we noticed. Yeah. <laughs> that we know. So you, but you guys said you did too. No. Yeah, we do. We do. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I love yeah, yeah. sad R and B, you know, yeah, I think we're all in alignment. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. Don't call me out on this. No, no, no. <laughs> like, I'm pretty no. sure you guys are, are going down this road with me, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. true. I don't know if I have anything else to add, to be honest. We didn't talk about attachment or how that plays in at all. I don't know if we need to or not. Well, I don't know that it's important to bring everything in, but I think if there is, like, examples, then we can kind of cut it at that last piece and then just jump in with is there anything specific that stands out for you guys? Like, I think we talked about people being an example of self-sabotage. So to me, like, attachment plays a role in that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, the biggest thing I think would be um, to tie that into it is the same way people can sabotage you or the same ways that they can also do the opposite, right? Like just yes. trading yeah. the person yeah. who yeah. says no, that also is me choosing, like understanding that framework and the people that are kind of guiding beacons mm-hmm. for you. They are the ones who help keep you along that path that you're choosing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's keeping those people who are in those, I don't say positions, but just who help you choose those, choose yourself in those decisions or choose what you want to choose, what you're, what you say you want to choose. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like my experience with attachment is like choosing the same person over and over again at my own expense. Mm-hmm. And that is where I think like it's the dark side of it because that to me is a, a very unconscious behavior mm-hmm. because you're not doing it necessarily because it's the right thing to do. You're doing it because you're being led by your emotions. You're being led by like other things that you don't necessarily have control over. Uh, Mm -hmm. People who are, I think, anxious and avoidant tend to make very, um, they they tend to end up in relationship together, I believe because their tendencies like support each other or like allow each other to be their like attachment style yes i continue to do that right mm-hmm. so it's yes. like the goal is to actually be more secure and both be secure within that but right if you're avoiding it's like okay we won't do this and the anxious person like they can just kind of live as is yeah and not have to do it anything. reinforces it that dates to yeah. what i was looking for it reinforces yeah. it and i go that's exactly kind of similar in that sense right it's just like you're mm-hmm. enabling it versus actually yes. getting yes. to that root cause yeah yes. um it's funny in the book that i was reading they were talking about relationships and how let's say if there's a relationship where one person is always choosing like the quote unquote like project, mm-hmm. you know, how some people do that. Um, and so it's, it was, that's why I was like pulling in the limiting beliefs because on the one hand, let's say the girl is like, I don't know, the boss and is always choosing these guys that she, they're, they're like her projects and she has to like, you know, quote unquote fix them and all these things. Like her limiting belief would be, you know, that she's not deserving of a partner that can meet her needs. Mm-hmm. And where she's at and the guy who is let's say again quote unquote the project who is limiting belief must be that i'm not enough because people that i date or people that i'm attracted to are always trying to fix me or Mm. elevate me or Mm. do something and i thought that was a really cool example because you can see that of course in relationships and friendships and whatever but like there's always like a limiting belief on each side that you're either reinforcing and like enabling um which can maybe start up really like negative but it can also uh, teach you a lot yes. as well yeah yeah i mean that my my only relationship like i got called out for for being the fixer and so again people pleasing things like that mm-hmm. it all like it's all connected um but i you know in reflection on that particular thing it's like well because i thought i was wasn't deserving of more mm-hmm right and so exactly what you're speaking Mm -hmm. to like i've lived it i know what that's like Mm -hmm. um and even though like you know self-esteem is still something that i mean we all struggle with it but Mm -hmm. um it's it's just one of those things that like over time as like time has moved forward it's like you start to realize like why was it that i was trying to fix this person um did the person need to be fixed in the first place? Like mm-hmm. all those things start mm-hmm. coming up and you're like, what? Like then it becomes less about them and it much more about you. Mm-hmm. And then you start exploring like the things that you were doing that, that caused it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
even just you saying like this person is like broken it's like you're it's alluding to like someone's broken and needs to be fixed and it's like mm-hmm. that's like a like it's the narrative that you're well, like and, and i think the key thing is like the person needed to be supported not fixed yes and yes. i think so so that for me was being able to kind of d- distinguish between the two my actions were saying i'm fixing but mm-hmm. what what i was intending to do was support in the way that i knew how mm-hmm. and so that's the key thing i think mm-hmm. right there is like obviously we learn through the experiences that we live but yeah that's that's something that i took away from that mm-hmm. which was huge it's like you can't no you shouldn't and you can't mm-hmm. try to fix somebody no. people aren't broken yeah but i think that's like part yeah. of the, the mindset is like we're not broken because you don't live up to like what a perfect standard is or whatever that is because that doesn't exist right mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. that's a made-up notion mm-hmm. right we have all our different experiences and they're all very different. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of them that are the same, but it's just a matter of like, they can mesh or like, I don't want to say combat each other, but they are just different and it's how we fit them all together in a a way that is ideally harmonious, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's what this kind of comes back to is like really being able to use tools, whether it is like understanding your attachment style, understanding like some of the you're limiting just understanding you better to yeah. then be able to bring that to a table whatever table that is whether it is for your personal life or your family or like your workplace whatever that is mm-hmm. and then be able to highlight like yes this is who I am this is what I know myself to be and these are the things that kind of come up for me and then understand and be able to uh, what's the, what's the word I guess is just um, not deal with it but just manage manage I yeah. think what it is and, and, and yeah. kind of what you were saying we were talking about before Sean is like oh this is a history that I have like it's 60 years of alcoholism this is mm-hmm. what I need to do to manage this and mm-hmm. I it's it could look very different for everybody right but like this is where you're at and this is what you need to do to manage it and it's being able to accept that and some people maybe can't but it's like hey this is what this is where I'm at this is what I need that's mm-hmm. it mm-hmm yeah and to your point about like the better you can know yourself the better you can take care of yourself the more that actually everyone around you can benefit better too exactly yeah like one of my favorite things i was ever that was ever said to me was like don't take care of yourself for me take care of yourself for you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and then i end up benefiting from Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. and like that has stuck with me forever because again as a people pleaser like i'm always trying to take care of other people more Mm -hmm. than i take care of myself Mm -hmm. And that has led to a variety of different like experiences in my life, good and bad. But um, yeah, that's just, that's always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. I'm curious as far as so we've talked about attachment, but like how does love languages tie into this? Do you guys have any, any comments on that? I think sometimes that can uh, not say support, but I think that's, one of the ways of communication to support at times because mm. then sometimes you may be distressed for example and then if someone can communicate with you like and give you that calmness through a way that you know best or maybe that you're missing or you don't have enough of that to me is can actually ground you and bring balance this is just like that's so the, I guess the way I, I view it. Yeah, like I was thinking about it and I felt like in this particular subject, love languages influence attachment, which is then what actually dictates. No? No. 
attachment influences i love think everything language. else yes. yeah sorry it stems from attachment for sure that's what i meant to but say love language is like the i don't want to say that it's like a tool or like a almost like an outcome of your attachment yeah style. yeah like, like i think the example i had in my head is if you need physical touch an anxious person is calmed by physical touch Mm -hmm. that is something super soothing that you may not like if you understand that about someone it's like oh just a hug can be so reassuring right Mm -hmm. right and like that's those are the clues to help you do something in the moment like not in the moment just like smaller gestures in a sense so that really shows that you understand them Mm -hmm. right because the root of it is there's something they're like triggered by something and then Mm -hmm. this is how you can help cope or manage right and i guess i think the word was regulate Oh, nice. How do we regulate? <laughs> yes. That's a good one. That's a word. But it's a word, right? That because makes sense. So that was the word. stuff comes up, you have yeah, to regulate it, right? It. And that's yeah. like really how you do it. Yeah. Right? Right. I guess I was thinking of it in the sense too of like, okay, I need physical touch and I'm not getting it. Mm-hmm. And so what am I doing to either myself or my partner to try and manipulate getting that or trying to express that I need that? I mean, the end of the, uh, always it's the, the awareness is one right yeah. mm-hmm. so you're aware that you need it and it's important to you and then i guess two is communication that is important to you and mm-hmm. and then figuring out what that looks like right because mm-hmm. physical touch can look very different to different people right whether it is like a hug or like just like the you know random like arm touching or like little gestures yeah. it's like that stuff can also be soothing it's like okay that is there and then i guess when and the, what that is looks like I guess timing and place, right? Like those are things that have to be discussed because then it's very clear when you need it, what you need and why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I would still revert to like the attachment style because mm-hmm. let's say if you're someone that's, I don't think these normally pair together, but let's just say for sake of argument, they do. Like if you're someone who's avoidant, the way that you manage your emotions is to withdraw. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to come at me and be like, I know physical touch might work. <laughs> like I'll probably in that moment be like, fuck you. Like, no. Yes. Like, cause I'm sp- like the attachment and like the characteristics of your attachment style dictates how you manage conflict. Yes. And so like meeting it with how I like to receive love is not necessarily going to like be like a one-to-one match. Right. Yeah. I guess is how yeah. I'm looking at it. I think what you said about how to receive love and manage it, I think, receiving love and regulating like distress, distress are two yeah. different things and conflict yeah because receiving like i think those are just two different let's say ends mm-hmm. of the spectrum but mm-hmm. that those are different there's different management styles for them yeah right so i think that's what we have to really that's like part of the communication and awareness piece is like okay just because you like to receive love that way doesn't mean when you're distressed that that's what you want exactly yes. that you want yeah. love, yes absolutely right? so it's like yes yes and i think that's where we're, i guess is alluding to in terms of love language yeah. is like oh this is how you regulate like it's finding out what you need to regulate yourself right mm-hmm. and then what Dre is mm-hmm. alluding to is like we both share the we need time and space <laughs> right yeah, because that's how we but that's just like the space that we need to really regulate right well yeah it's yeah, yeah it's how you regulate yeah exactly yeah. so that we don't get emotional you know we just like we try to avoid the outburst mm-hmm. side of the emotional exactly yes the outburst yes. that's a but i've never word. i've never seen you outburst because, because you don't want, i because, because i regulate exactly it. Gotcha, okay. but that's the, it's a but like it's like it's, a it's conflict. hard for me to even like it's a conflict it. though mm-hmm. 
because like I had someone that was like, why don't you just let it fucking mm-hmm. blow up in your face? And that devil on my shoulder is definitely like fucking destruct. Like, just let's no. just like yeah. make everything miserable <laughs> for sure. Yes. Um, but then you have like, I was talking about this, about how there's like a difference between emotions and behaviors. And they're not necessarily the same. Mm-hmm. Like you could have emotions of being like, I'm going to fucking blow up and like all this shit. And I'm going to mm-hmm. like destroy everybody. And then the behavior though is like, you haven't done any of that. Mm-hmm. Like there's a bit of a disconnect because when I think about that, I'm like, that doesn't bring me joy to do that. Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to like blow up on somebody and then see the impact of that on somebody else like that's why i don't want to get to that point Mm -hmm. the second underlying piece of that is that you know i'm scared of my own anger i'm scared of anger in general and so and that was something that i learned growing up Mm -hmm. reactive parents explosive parents Mm -hmm. leads to scary experiences Mm -hmm. which leads to me not wanting to honor my own anger when i feel that and so then i suppress it and i muzzle it to not impact other people mm, very much the same yeah in that way because it's like when you see it expressed it's mm-hmm. like that's a negative experience it's negative yes. yeah so that way yeah. you don't ever want to get to that point right mm-hmm. it's like you just or you do and you self-destruct internally yes to then yes. come back mm-hmm. normal for other people exactly so it's like yeah we just rather How do you self-destruct internally well you just like you will have an outburst or you start sabotaging yourself to like almost avoid the outburst. It's like kind of one of the two. I, th- I think. Okay, that I can relate to. I think the yeah. it's a control thing yeah. as well. It's like when I'm having an outburst or when an outburst is present, you don't We're have out control, of control anymore. <laughs> you don't have any control anymore. So it's like, oh, those are the things you have to apologize for because like things were said or meant. And it's like, that's not like that wasn't me saying it. I didn't mean it. It's. That's or you just, did. Or you did. Or you moment. did a lot yes. of the time. You but, did, but like not to the <laughs> to the extent. The right? extent, because yes. I think that's where we're like. I think it's when we're focusing on other people that we're trying to avoid having to, yeah, be like backtrack and be like, I'm really sorry for that outburst. Mm-hmm. Even though if you did that, it's not the end of the world. But yeah. you know, I think coming back to a conversation that we've had before, again, people who have like avoidant attachment styles always thinks think that something can happen once and only once Mm -hmm. it's like this is the one conversation and this is the one thing and it's like and i can't change my mind or i can't go back and have another conversation or i can't go back and apologize like it's always centered around like life or death in one moment which is kind of odd to say Mm -hmm. out loud yeah it's it's interesting because i'm the complete opposite like i feel like the door is always open and conversations are continuous they're ongoing constantly and like Mm -hmm. the door i mean it's very rare that i would feel that a conversation is closed Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've been a firm believer that like, I'm the first person to change my opinion or my mind in the pre like in like with new information. And so sometimes that's through reflection. Sometimes that's mm-hmm. through something that's said to you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's just interesting to hear that because for me, it's always, always a conversation. It's always ongoing, mm-hmm. but I definitely relate to the internal kind of explosion because the cookie example that I keep coming back to though, but like, that's, that's it. I think Sean's like, saying he wants some cookies. Yeah, that's yeah, what honestly, I'm hearing. You need, him, you need get him one, the one I big love, cookie. Um, but like for me, it's like, that's the self-sabotage, but it's also that internal kind of explosion. And then I, 
kind of eat, think, reflect, whatever, and then go on to the next thing. But like, I mean, I've had people tell me my entire life, like, do you ever get angry? I'm like, yeah, I do. But I just, I, I'm not visual with it. I don't kind of, I can't even remember the last time, like I threw a fist or anything like that. Like, fuck. Mm. I mean, that's something I find so interesting because in terms of, I was just looking at art earlier today. Oh, look at you. But I go, that stuff you can see in like art or here in music or whatever, right? It's like, you can feel the emotion Mm-hmm. within that that they were feeling when that was going on mm-hmm. yeah. right and i go that's something that you can't I say control or change it's like that's the present state right so um i think one of i was listening to a podcast with 40 on it and mm-hmm. he was talking about one of his favorite drake songs is um one where he's like he was upset he was actually like yelling he was in a yelling match with his uncle on the balcony and then came in was like, oh yeah let's yeah record. that's like a famous story yeah mm-hmm. yeah and he's like let's record it's on i think it's say what's real he's yeah. just like or the calm it's a calm actually and he goes yeah he came in and it was probably the best he's like it's my favorite drake one of my favorite mm-hmm. drake songs because you can't mimic that emotion he was feeling and you can hear it in the track you can hear it in everything and you're like yes that is that state but that can't always be replicated or maybe it's not healthy to replicate that specific no place in time no right? but you know no. what like his outlet is the music right mm-hmm. like that's how he deals with it and so you know for somebody who doesn't scream doesn't yell doesn't you know do a lot of those things like and and i have spent my whole life kind of internalizing a mm-hmm. lot like i'm just trying to think like now hearing you guys talk about like trying to suppress this thing coming out like i don't even feel like i i ever have to suppress something so it's like mm-hmm. Where where is my outlet? outlet? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's like, where, that's what where it is. is right? it? Like the gym. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that, but it, and but that's fair. Be. But yeah. like it's when I'm really angry, like I don't even know if I go to the gym. I do sometimes, but like I don't know. I guess I don't know. Yeah, it's just mean, interesting. Like as, as I'm thinking about it and hearing you guys talk about it, that's what you gotta, I guess, have Sit to learn. With, it's like yeah. f- figure out is mm-hmm. right. Is like understand what you naturally deviate to when you are when you need, are seeking the outlet mm-hmm. yeah right mm-hmm. and i think that's what like part of our uh co-regulation or regulation is is to not get to that point where we need the big outlet because that is too late like at that point it's too late it's yeah. like how do we manage it and so that it's just little like little outlet yeah. bursts versus like a big explosion because yeah. that's just not the healthiest way yeah i've been finding it's like the external is like just as important like for example that like drake reference like if he's in the studio with people that are going to be like oh my god what the fuck he's like pissed off like i don't even know what to do here Mm -hmm. i bet depending on how drake feels but like he might be (laughs) like i can't even bring my anger here because it everyone else feels weird about it but if you're comfortable expressing your own anger and you're comfortable receiving other people's anger letting them allow it and have the space to do that and sure, it's normal. Yeah. But if I, you know, have an explosion and you guys react and you're just like, holy shit, never seen Dre like that. Like, mm-hmm. something's wrong. Like, what's going Like, I don't even know what to do. Like, I don't even think I'd want to repeat that. But that's why, like, when I am angry, like, and I need the space, there are certain people that I'll talk to and they've seen the, like, quote unquote, ugly side of it. And they still stick around. They're kind of like yeah like bring it on like let's Mm -hmm. go because they know what i'm like Mm -hmm. but that's not everybody and it doesn't have to be everybody but as Mm -hmm. long as you have an outlet for it that like 
allows you to honor your anger because you can learn so much from anger. I think that's the most important. I think, yeah, I think that is a very important mm-hmm. thing. Is and anyone who says they don't get fucking angry or fucking lying. <laughs> <laughs> let them know. Let them know. <laughs> no, you're right. But it's yeah. having the outlet for that, right? Yes, having, the outlet is important. And it's having, I guess, safe outlets. And, and I think mm-hmm. that goes back to why I say environment's always everything because yes. to be able to have a safe space to feel that you can do that yeah. is so important. And not everyone has the safety and security of those spaces in mm-hmm. a way, or they just don't have people or whatever that in their lives yeah. to do that. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what I think is again, so valuable because mm-hmm. having been able to say that to those people mm-hmm. that can make or break a day or it can just save yeah. you a lot of like emotional expenditure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause so what I was going to say to that is like, even having someone that's like, yeah, like get angry. Like, if they're hyping up your anger, I don't think that's productive either. No, no. They're like, it's like you need the like help, get it out there, receive it. Let's look at it and then like move on. Yeah. Well, I, I like that Drake example because that's to me like I can see what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. So let's get it out. And yeah. then the get it out is the spit into the mic. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But exactly. so that's somebody right. who's not saying like whoa exactly they're not they're necessarily like, sharing like, in go. your anger but yeah. they're saying like here's a safe space for you to do what you need to do to get it out yeah exactly, exactly. whatever that looks like right yeah 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 That's- i agree thank you for your ears these past few months we hope you've enjoyed being a part of our journeys and that maybe we've helped you on your own in one way or another we appreciate all the love and support we've received from each of you and look forward to what comes next talk soon